Hi, I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. And I'm Will. And you're listening to The Crusading Couch! A little bit of a lag there. Yeah. Uh, I apologise for if it's our low sound quality. We had a bit of trouble with um, our voice recorder, so if the sound quality is low... Uh, the normal, it is because we're recording on our shitty standing mic that is plugged into the computer and is recording straight to Audacity. Uh, today we're doing uh, something a little bit different. We're going to be doing reviews kind of of products. Um, we're going to be, we'll be outlining their settings uh, and talking about uh, their, uh, what we think is good about the systems, the cons, and also who, what we think are uh, who, who we think those games are good for, like, uh, who, you, who we think would enjoy this type of game. Uh, the three games we're going to be talking about are going to be Eclipse Phase. World of Darkness. World of Darkness, uh, the new World of Darkness. Uh, and Star Wars Edge of Empire, as well as a little bit of Age of Rebellion. Um, and they'll be in that order as well. So, um, they should be, segments should be 20 minutes long, so if you want to skip ahead... You should be able to work out where it begins. Uh, Alright, so, shall we jump in, guys? Mm-hmm. Alright, yeah. so, the first system we're going to talk about is Eclipse Phase. Eclipse Phase is a game of transhumanist conspira- uh, horror and conspiracy. Uh, so, it has a transhuman setting. I'm not going to explain what transhumanism is. You can look that up pretty easily. Uh, but basically, they've got... They've got advanced technology. The system, uh, the the setting leans more towards hard science fiction, but there are some more out there things. Uh, a core part of the setting uh, is that human beings, transhumanity, because it includes uplifts artificial life uh, and more traditional human being life. Uh, they can back up their memories uh, in order to uh, avoid death. Uh, They can also, because of a a consequence of that, they can switch around bodies. Uh, So, we'll talk a little bit more about how that features into gameplay in a minute. Uh, The the game takes place 10 years after a a cataclysmic event uh, that mainly focused on Earth called The Fall, where uh, human-developed machine intelligence, a rogue machine AI that could uh, self-improve, uh, basically destroyed Earth uh, and only 5%, maybe less, uh, of humanity remains. Uh, it's So humanity is in the millions as opposed to the billions that you would have expected before. Uh, so the game takes place 10 years after that and it's a lot about rebuilding. There's a, uh, Economics plays a huge part in the setting. Uh, they have uh, nanofabricators, uh, which means that they can assemble things on a molecular level. Uh, it's Kind of like if Star Trek had taken a path more similar to 3D printing. So it takes a while to fabricate stuff, but you can pretty much uh, build anything. Is there anything that anyone thinks I missed out on about uh, the setting? Possibly <coughs> the gaming. The ability. I've forgotten what they're called exactly. Res? Oh, um. Because that forms an interesting aspect. You mean get, as in the gate crashing? Is yes. That what yeah, so. Uh, one of the. F- so the Titans um, weren't destroyed by humanity. Uh, they disappeared. At the same time that they disappeared, uh, they, it looked like they were about to win what, whatever their goal was. They were destroying humanity. There was didn't seem like anyone was going to survive. Everyone had tried to evacuate Earth. Uh, and what happened 
was they disappeared. Uh, and at the same time they disappeared, humanity discovered the Pandora Gate on the moon of Saturn, uh, Pandora. A strange metal sphere that kind of looked like a network of different shapes of metal uh, that seems to open up wormholes to other Pandora Gates on exoplanets. That is the only means of faster than light travel in Eclipse Phase. Uh, the most of the game takes place in Earth Solus, in the Earth Solar System around our Sun, uh, and then a few exoplanets and stuff like that. Uh, so there's a and uh, yeah. So I mean, we'll talk about the main antagonists of the game, I guess, uh, as well. So okay. So what is what is the feel of the game? So what can players what can players expect? They've never uh, played Eclipse Phase. They're going into it. What kind of stuff? That's a good point. Uh, so when you first go into Eclipse Phase, uh, there's a lot of setting material, uh, and we'll talk about that a bit in the cons as well. Uh, you know, the negative parts of the game. Uh, but uh, it has a feeling of I would describe it as at first it's like. There's a lot of gear and stuff, and there's a lot of customization, and it kind of, to me, felt, uh, seems like at first you might think that it's going to be a bit more like Pathfinder in terms of, oh, I'm going to use this gear to accomplish this goal. But a lot of your equipment and bio implants and stuff like that uh, end up basically being like really specific to like one sort of setting or like they more affect the story than your roles. A lot of the implants and stuff only give like uh, like a plus 10 or something to your role. Um, talk about the role mechanic in a minute. Uh, where, yeah, so it feels like it's going to be way more complicated than it actually ends up being. Um, at first it seems like it's just going to be... If, you, if you're not told that it's a horror game, you might mistakenly think it's going to be fun cyberpunk crime times. Uh, but the horror aspect of it quickly would, would rear its head uh, if you were playing standard Eclipse. So you could actually try and approach your, a, a scenario that way by like telling your players, Yeah, you're going to be doing a bank heist! Uh, and then like they break into the vault and it's like, Hang on a minute. What is this strange shifting spheroid that for some reason fills me with existential dread and why am I stealing it? Uh, yeah. A lot of the... Yeah. I don't know. Anything else? Yeah, that well that's the horror aspect. I mean... Yeah. This game... Oh, so the conspiracy aspect. That is a huge part that I overlooked. So the conspiracy aspect is not there is a huge conspiracy working against the players. It is assumed that most players will be playing as... Agents of Firewall. Firewall is a tra uh, is a organization, a shadowy organization that is hidden, uh, that seems to cross most factional boundaries. Um, they work in the uh, autonomous and communist habitats, and they also work in the hypercorporate uh, habitats uh, and sections of the universe. Uh, they they are trying to fight the X threats. So X threats are things that uh, oppose transhumanity, normally involving the exurgent virus, which appears to be the main vector for the Titans. Uh, 
So they would infect people with the exurgent virus and they'd turn into crazy fractal monsters or huge mounds of flesh that would devour things. Uh, it can affect synthetics and organics alike. Uh, they have things called basilisk hacks, which are just images that change the way you think. Um, as well as more standard hacking type stuff. Uh, so the agents, the players normally play as agents of Firewall that are investigating these sort of things. And some of the bigger factions know about Firewall's existence, uh, but they, some of them just wave them off as being ragtag bunch of nobodies. So, yeah. Should we talk about what we enjoy about this? Oh, we should talk about the rolling mechanic. Yeah. So, the rolling mechanic in Eclipse Phase, um, this is going to be a little bit of a mechanical discussion. I actually want to talk a little bit more about the feel, but the rolling mechanic is a fundamental aspect of the game, and it affects gameplay. So you have a skill, that skill level exists from... Zero. Zero, technically, but whatever. To 100. Yeah. <laughs> you roll a percentile dice, and you have to equal or get lower than your skill level of that skill in order to achieve a success. Higher than that, um, uh, you will fail. Uh, a couple of interesting notes. 99 is always, always a, a critical fail. 100 is always a critical success. Um, and uh, other criticals include any double number including and below your skill score is a critical success, but a double number above your skill score is a critical fail. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, I think, is actually a really elegant rolling mechanic because... It's not complicated, you have your skill level, you have modifiers that usually go plus 10, plus 20, what, in either direction, and it also makes contested roles between playing characters, or playing characters in their environment, or playing characters in, and non-playing characters work really well. In, because the person that is opposing, or the object that is opposing your role, rolls the opposing skill, whatever the DM deems that to be, and um, in the case of uh, combat, like hand-to-hand -hand combat, it is fray is the opposing skill to your combat role. So you're the player, you roll. Um, you have an opposing person or object. So the basic yeah. gist is that you need yeah. to get under your your skill number, but, but still higher than your opponent's role. To succeed as a playing character, and they are opposing it using that, so and it works quite... I don't, I don't know how common... Um, like, I know lots of games use percentile systems, but I don't know how common that specific solution to the problem is. Um, yeah. Pendragon uses something similar, which is a game yeah. we've been playing lately. But I think that it's quite elegant, and it was the yeah. first game that I certainly experienced uh, with that mechanic, and I like it a lot. It makes... For simplicity. Yeah, in terms of learning the basic... And, and this is a pro, so we'll get into our, our things we like about the system conversation now. Uh, yeah, so uh, one of the things that we... that I like about the system is that it's... the mechanics are easy to get um, off the bat. Um, you can jump into a system, into the game really easily. Um, I also really love the transhumanist setting. Um... Uh, but yeah, what do you, what do you guys like about it? Because you've played in a, Billy's played in the least amount of games, and Kim's played in the actually in the most of anyone that I know personally. But I haven't run it. Yes. True. Whereas what I've was run your it. instant reaction? Because you've only played that one of Cops Phase game. Yeah. What did you feel? Uh, essentially, 
nothing jumps out at me as amazing and that I really enjoy. Uh, I find, you know, I enjoy the system and I don't have very many problems with it. But I am very much on the fence, mainly for my own personal preferences yeah. of it's good, but it has no wow factor for me. Billy and Kim aren't transhumanists, uh, whereas I am. Which and- I think actually adds to the... Significance that my opinion that Eclipse Phase is a fucking kick-ass yeah. system has because I am not subscribing to the transhumanist ideals philosophy at all. The philosophy, there but aren't I really, really many ideals. I really enjoy playing Eclipse Phase. Yeah, Kim, <laughs> Whoa. Kim has said before to me um, that he thinks that you should describe Eclipse Phase as a horror game first. With- with the transhumanist yeah. flavouring. Yeah, exactly. I would agree with that. And I think that because I... When I was going into my first game, I didn't know that until right at the last minute when I discovered it was a horror game. And it really changed the way I played the game. And it changes the way that I continue to play the game. And I think it makes and for it those that of you that are better. listening and want to know what game that was, that was uh, When One Door Opens, Another Closes, which you can find on our site. Yeah. Right. So, I like that. Um, I also... From a mechanical perspective, it has a really good way of dealing with the mental trauma that is caused by yeah. horror. Um, it has a threshold that you cross that is caused by a listed number of uh, significantly mentally traumatic events. And that leads to different levels of psychosis, which uh, you need to incorporate into the way that you're role-playing your character. Which brings the setting and the theme of the game back to the way that the players role-play their characters, which is what a good setting-slash-theme should do. Yeah. It should... You can't just go, I want to make a blah-blah-blah in this setting, or a blah... or, 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 or whatever type of character in, 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 in whatever type of setting. It feeds back yeah. into the way that you role-play, which probably means that you need to be a better role-player to actually have as much fun... Uh, potentially I don't know yeah so we'll we'll talk about barriers to entry in the next section Uh, but something that I really like about Eclipse Phase is how um, how almost with the exclusion of the sun whales nothing seems out of place in the setting nothing is like suggested and you're like why is that there Um, which you sometimes get with um, like things like different kinds of D&D type games there are sometimes things where you're like why is that there what sort of tone are you trying to create Eclipse Phase really knows the tone that it is going for and it tries to stick to that it wants hard science fiction uh, horror that's what it's going for Uh, and it you know it does it pretty well except for the sun whales I will say something I do like in regards to the mechanics as well is the critical failure They and the critical success. They seem to strike a nice balance. A lot of games I've played, it can be... Critically failing can often be quite hard to do or alternatively can sometimes be a little too easy. Yeah. And with the double numbers above uh, and the 99... And yeah, I think it makes it really... Oh, I've got a thing for the horror as Because well. it yeah. decreases the chance of critically failing when your skill level is higher. Yeah. It increases the chance of critically failing Opposed. when your skill level is lower. Yeah. Um, I agree completely. Uh, the one last thing that I'll say uh, is... The with the damage mechanic if you're playing in a scenario and all of your players characters have really high like 
physical resistance like they might have heaps of armor and they might have a really high wound threshold and they might have lots of health chances are that some of them might have really great armor but have really bad met like willpower and cannot resist mental trauma so uh if you've got a lot of characters that are geared towards combat you might be able to get in you can still affect them and damage them and have high stakes for the game by going after that mental damage. Rather than just having... The way character creation works yeah, does tend to split. Yeah, indeed. You, you're not normally really good at surviving combat and really good at surviving mental trauma. Yeah. Um, which helps create that atmosphere of horror. Like, some games don't really have that. Um, some other horror games just really focus on the physical trauma that was this is particularly prevalent in survivalist horror games where it's really about like you, you're starting to lose damage how are you going to fight the monster and it's like oh I better you know I, shoot it better I do agree with Kim when he says that in some ways uh, being a more experienced role player really allows you to take advantage of the mental trauma side of things yeah you can do it really well. creatively I also kind of think that the death is cheap in Eclipse phase uh, detracts a little from the horror well considering that we haven't really gone through uh, the whole campaign there is a yeah. lot of the like death is traumatic for everybody Always, and it is one of the chief, and it is one of the things that causes the most trauma in the game. I mean, there are ways. There um, are ways to point out that, like so for instance, when you, for when you. you do die in Eclipse Phase and you come back, sometimes that can be the horror part of the scenario. The fact that you've died, you don't know why you died. You don't have memories of that yeah, death, I and you need to find it. But it's basically, it's it's basically. I see what you're mentioning, and in some cases that is true, and in other cases, if you've got a good GM, they can find ways yeah. to make that work for them. Uh, which we have an upcoming a cops face scenario, which will hopefully have something to do with that. Now we're going to talk about the things we don't like about the system. Yeah. Um, I'll let the other guys say stuff. I'm going to talk about barrier to entry. Our stuff in a minute. Yeah. Uh, okay. And character creation. I think that sometimes. Like, you need to appropriate the mechanics and you need to, for all kinds of things, but I think that Eclipse Phase, even though that they encourage this in the manual, uh, maybe, maybe leads a little bit too much towards that. It's just kind of like the, the, the appropriating a mechanic for the situation that you find yourself yeah. in. Uh, I think that potentially it needed to be more comprehensive rule set for... To cover more scenarios. Okay. Can you think of one quick example? Uh, one quick... If you can't, then we'll just move on. The, the mental trauma is actually one of the things, because yeah. I think that there's some stuff that, uh, that, that, that it doesn't list that I think it should, and I think that that mental trauma should actually ramp up a little bit. Like, there's a couple of things that don't cause as much mental damage as I think they should, mm. and there are a few things that are not on the list that I think should be there. Like, isolation from the mess, mesh causes a lot, but, like, if you've experienced that once, you're pre pretty good. Yeah, but meeting an alien... Yeah, meeting an alien should have a lot more. Only causes 1d10. Yeah. 1d10, and I think that... There's another game uh, where we actually got in a little bit of an argument about this, but um, I think that the amount of mental damage that Raymond ascribed as DM, not knowing what the actual thing was, was fair. 3d10 worth of mental damage. Yeah. For meeting a fucking alien. 
I would argue that would be dependent though on the. So I did. I did regret doing it that way because I should have. Just because they read an alien, or because there was something. It was a, a compounding of factors, but I had misunderstood the trauma rules, and also. It would have been better thematically if I had slowly built up the mental trauma rather than a huge dump at the beginning. But that's one thing. Yes. One of the... And this is probably from my inexperience of Eclipse Fade and, again, also my own sort of Mm. uh, preferences. I don't really... And you guys are free to correct me. Characters are... Almost every character is a jack of all trades because they are so highly customisable. You can swap out your bodies, you can swap out your equipment, you can purchase packages. So, no. Okay, I, I see what I see what you're talking yeah. about. So I recently, is, I'm, yeah. I'm running an Eclipse Phase scenario tomorrow, um, which is called Homesteading, which should be up on the side in a couple of weeks. Uh, and in that, I've got two characters that are closer to what you're talking about, and one character that isn't. But even then, so I've got a... It's a gate-crushing game. I've got an explorer that is focused on um, using psychic powers, um, which are a really small thing in the setting. Um, like, it talks about them a lot in the book, but, like, they shouldn't be featured too heavily in your game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've got one character that is based around that and tracking, but also, like, water exploration, because they're, like, a submariner. Uh, and they've got a lot of skills that make them really good at those sort of things, and then a couple of skills that fill that out. And that's sort of what you're talking about with the Jack of All Trades stuff. Like, they've got lots of yeah, interest yeah, yeah. skills and lots of weapon skills. Then I've got another one that is a doctor, that is also a biologist, and that is also a xenobiologist. It has a whole bunch of stuff like that. And that is the most Jack of All Trades in, the, in yep. this run. And then I built a soldier. The soldier can only do soldier things. But he does them really well. So that is what happens when you do, do a hyper-focused character. My experience with the system, I, yeah. my only mind is just I sort of it, I find it a bit harder to look at characters and having them actually feel unique. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think I that in terms of about. the skill outset, we have actually addressed this because there has been something that I made in the comments of the last Eclipse Phase game that we were doing, where we have been using the same skill for multiple situations mm. too often. So mm. it's kind of yeah. like. A broad definition of survival was the instance that we were talking yeah. about here, and it was just like anything to do with survival. And I'm just like, I'm thinking more of like a Red Dead Redemption type survival, like it's basically finding stuff that can help you survive. It's not just like anything yeah. that enhances your longevity. So like reaction times, getting out of dangerous situations. That's not really what I think survival's about. So that is another like tip for the players or maybe potentially con of the system is that those types of skills are not highly defined a GM needs to, to be a little bit harder on what the skill should do yeah. they need to be a little less flexible otherwise you do get a thing like what Billy is talking about yeah. and what Kim's talking yeah. about where it's players, like well I can do whatever I want players should be asking whether they can use a skill that they think is appropriate for that and they should be prepared to be told no and the DM should be Super prepared to tell them though. Yeah. So some another a big thing, and other people have said this before on other uh, podcasts. Eclipse phase character gen can be really hard, especially when you are using the base book version. Because Billy's only done transhuman. Yeah. And, so is, and so is Kim. So transhuman, you do package buying systems. It takes a little while, but it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward, and also it forces you to have a diversified character. Um, just like in real life, most people specialise in things and they have a few things that they're really good at, but they do have a lot of knowledge. 
So like, that's another thing with what you're talking about. But yeah, the the standard character gen can be really hard. Like there's an Excel sheet program thing that makes it a lot easier, I've heard. I've never done it that way. I've done standard and transhuman. I've also tried to do the life path system, which is really fucking hard. Um, another thing in that same vein of barrier to entry is the setting material. If you don't know a lot about the setting, it becomes exponentially harder to yeah. to play the game effectively. Not like you can still have plenty of fun, but like if you don't know, uh, you know what a certain type of device is, sometimes that can be really hard, or what a certain phrase uh, might mean. Or even just general information about yeah. various things. Like, oh, you're going to Mars. Like, yeah, sweet. Or like, yeah. To get the maximum enjoyment out of it, you have to super invest. Yeah. So I've told players before that we're really keen on it. Just sit down, start reading the first chapter of the Eclipse Phase book, which is actually listen, listed as the second uh, and just power through it. Uh, the chapter called A Time of Eclipse Phase. The more you know about Eclipse Phase, the better uh, you, the more you can get out of it and the more fun. That goes for most settings, but it's not so much a problem. Especially exaggerated in Eclipse Phase. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and finally, uh, who do we think might enjoy this game? Anyone who's interested in hard science fiction... Uh, or anyone who's interested in actually playing a very well thought out and uh, exquisitely designed horror game. Anyone? Whether they're actually interested in space yeah. or not. If you like horror, you will like this. Yeah. Anyone who potentially wants to try something a little different and also have uh, a lot of flexibility and the ability to customise their characters that other games don't offer. I would also add somebody that really wants to uh, take full advantage of being a social character. Clips Phase can work really well for that with the reputation networks... Uh, and the um, and all the different types of social skills and stuff. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully you guys found that useful. Uh, we're now gonna uh, talk about World of Darkness. Uh, World of Darkness. New World of Darkness. Yeah. So. Oh, no. I think Kim probably shouldn't introduce New World of Darkness. No. Okay. Considering he it's hasn't weird. played it's it in a while. What do you? Th- yeah. Let's. Can let's you do it? Yeah. I'll do a few sentences and then Billy will take over. So, New World of Darkness is another horror game. Uh, This is the second role-playing game I ever learned to play. Uh, It has a... It it can be used to do more normal horror stuff, but the main focus of New World of Darkness is playing as the monsters from horror. Uh, And how they experience uh, horror, which can be done really well, and sometimes not so much. Uh, It uses a D10 dice pool mechanic uh, with successes being eights, nines, and tens, and normally tens are rolled again. Uh, So we don't really need to talk about the mechanics much more than that. Wall of Darkness is essentially, as Raymond said, you are playing as a particularly supernatural entity uh, Vampires, werewolves, yeah. um, mages come up. It sells itself as a horror game, but how much of a horror game it is really depends on your GM, yeah. to be honest. And a lot of the horror is also built off, uh, to a degree, existential horror. So, for instance, if you're a vampire having to feed off humans, uh, etc. Yeah. You are the monster, and 
how you choose to go with that. I mean, I'll talk about, feel about I'll talk that. about what you're mentioning there a little bit more in cons, yeah. things I don't like about the system, but like, I've never felt like bad about draining blood from humans when I've played as a vampire because it's just not been played in such a way that I needed yeah. to feel bad about it. As, as I said, it really depends on your storyteller how that yeah. how that happens. Kim, you've played uh, a little bit of World of Darkness. What have you? What are your thoughts on the setting? In terms of, um, is there anything you feel we missed? Well, I don't think that I've actually really played a proper World of Darkness setting. I think that. Um, Probably from, the Axis game is yeah, the closest. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think that from my experience, this is not actually something that I've gone through, the best way to do it is a way that I haven't actually had it done, is to play in a modern setting in the present time. Yeah. I think that, yeah. it's, that, that its adaptability... It's two yeah. bits here. Its adaptability as a system is both high and low. Sorry, it's, yeah, so it's both high and low. It's, it's adaptability as a mechanic is high. You can take the core mechanic and you can throw it in any setting that you like and it is generally fairly robust. Damn it. What? Oh, I forgot to mention something about Eclipse Phase. Oh, I won't. Yeah. Anyway, and, 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 and it's... We talked a lot about Eclipse Phase, so we won't return to and it. And it's generally uh, robust. Um, but its setting, I think, is not... So if you're playing New World of Darkness as a New World of Darkness thematic setting, I think that it that that to get the best experience, you really need to constrain that. Yeah. So how see, the books play. I see what Kim's talking about there in that um, the setting. If you were playing it like seriously and as the monsters and whatnot, um, like in a modern setting, you can pretty much do anything from that you can think of. But if you're playing it and you're, like, actually worrying about you're a monster, what happens if people find out about you, then you're actually pretty limited in that, like, you can't go fucking around with shit. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. It's, I would disagree with that. Well, you have to be more careful, is what I'm saying. Anyway. You know, get, there's different avenues. Yeah, yeah. It's... I would say, like, it forces you to be more creative. Yeah, that could be a way. So, what are we... So, is there anything else we need to say about the setting, or are we good? I think we're good for the setting. I guess the only other thing to really mention is that when you're playing as the monsters, you're you're meant to be remaining hidden. Yes, that is a very big thing. That is meant to be really important. I think that's one of the key aspects that I have missed in my experience. Uh, So, how about we talk about what we like? Um, Kim, what do you like about Water Darkness? Uh, Poor Kim. (laughs) I like the way the attributes work. Yeah, the attributes and skills. I like the way that you actually decide on a general theme of like when you're creating your character, you have physical, mental, social. Yeah. And you pick one of those as your primary, one of those as your secondary, and then the third one falls down, and that's where your weak points are. Yeah. And I think that that makes it very clear to the player who's actually trying to think through their character the kind of role, the they, kind should of be role they should be fulfilling within the party and the kind of experience that they want to get from the game. It's just like, am I the guy busting in the door, fucking shit up? Or am I the guy thinking about how it is the best way to bust in the door? Or am I the do- guy talking to the other guy about which door we actually need to bust? Yeah, it's got a really simple, easy, and thematic character gen system, which, as we just said. Yeah. Um, so... You can knock up a character in, like, two minutes. Yeah. And still if, do it If in you're like really well rehearsed. Way. If you're really well yeah. rehearsed. Yeah. Um... Oh, I shouldn't be playing with that. Uh, 
That's thing. it, Raymond. Go I, to the North I, 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 I Also, the thing that I really like about Eclipse Phase... <laughs> Eclipse Phase. God damn it. The thing that I really like about Water Darkness is I really... I really... When I first started... I'd just been playing a lot of Pathfinder D&D type stuff. And then we transitioned to this because the people that we normally play Pathfinder with were not available. Uh, and we're like, let's try a new system. I really... At the time, I thought that it was way more... Uh, in line with realism I don't hold that view as much anymore um, it certainly does realism better than Pathfinder uh, I really like the sometimes they have really diverse ideas for things like I really love Geist the Sin Eater or is it yeah, Geist the Sin Eater because unlike all of the other uh, thing, all the other major templates, which are like the vampires, the werewolves, the mages, uh, the Geist the Sin Eater feels the most original. Like, I can't think as easily, like, what the Geist is meant to be, like, beyond a person bound to a ghost. Uh, I guess the closest thing would be, like, the relation between voodoo's, uh, sh- voodoo witch doctors and the lower. Uh... I really like, like, when they give their creators the opportunity to actually be creative, they come up with some really good stuff. I find it interesting because I find Geist to be the weakest of the uh, supernatural ones by far. Well, thematically, I find it interesting uh, because of its originality and stuff, because they took a lot of chances, but I, like... It could be... Uh, it's not the best designed template. My, my issue with, with Geist is more... So you've got your, you know, whales and like, all your templates. I guess it's got less information to draw on, which yeah. makes it harder to play. I was about to say, some of the templates have, like, a wealth of information that you can choose to explore and incorporate. So and not just from the course. developers. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's another pro that I will talk about before, because we were about to trans- tangent into cons, and I feel there's more we can say positively. So you're going to say that... There's a lot of material for you to, to yeah. draw upon. Like, not just... Not just, like, you've got all of... All vampire movies, books, and art ever created that you can draw on for inspiration for your vampire game. But you've also got, like, 30-something vampire supplements that you can go and search for. I'm also going to re-mention this point in cons in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Kim, is there anything uh, else that you like? Same thing applies yeah. to the werewolves and the th- same thing. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're, like, Sin Eater has one supplement, is the problem with yeah, Sin Eater. Yeah. Is one of the problems with Sin Eater. Fair enough. I. Yep. I want to say something I really like about it is you get a wealth of supernatural abilities that you can have a lot of fun with, and also a lot of them you can be quite creative with to solve problems. Yeah, that's Which is something true. I really enjoy. Very I like good. systems that allow for creativity. I, yeah, like... Like, I feel... So, yeah, I'll let you go, sorry. I like the fact that the system, and I am also going to talk about this in cons in a minute, uh, <laughs> has, on the sliding scale of role-playing rather than situational reenactment or situational yeah. enactment... Yeah. On the scale of role-playing, I think it's on the role-playing side of... You can really get in the mind of a character, really get uh, your character, yeah, your so, character's idea out there. So yeah. what you're And talk- I will talk about how the system doesn't enforce this enough. 
So what you're talking about there is this whole dichotomy between role-playing versus gaming in that yeah. Pathfinder, D&D, most of those types of games yeah. lean more towards... My numbers uh, beat your numbers. Yeah, lead more towards uh, tactical squad combat, whereas uh, World of Darkness leans, uh, and Eclipse Phase lean more towards actual story to end, yeah. and Edge of Empire. I think, I, th- but I think that, that, that World of Darkness has a great potential for character for players to inhabit their characters, but it does not have, and this is the con part of it, uh, the best mechanic for making your players do so. So, are there any other positive... Elaborate on that a little bit? Okay. Um, I think he's going to elaborate in a minute. Yeah, Yeah, he's going to elaborate in a minute. So, is that... And we'll get to that. We'll go straight into that if there's nothing else that anyone wants to say. Okay. Alright, so, cons, Kim. I think that the GM and the GM's opinion and the GM's strictness is paramount in actually getting that role-playing mechanic across in terms of experience... Uh, disbursement in terms of changes in or morality or uh, equivalent uh, mental statistic um, of, of of the player, and I don't think that the rulebook, as it stands, enforces that upon the GM enough. There is too much GM discretion involved in that mechanic. Yeah, actually, I will. That is, and and those are the only things that really exist that actually make them role play. Yeah, you know, like you 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 role play for the character for the carrot on the stick. And as Raymond knows, this actually goes against my personal things. It's just like I am more motivated by a punishment than by a reward. Yeah, this is true. Um, so it is rewarding you for role playing, whereas I would prefer. This is just my personal preference. It is not a statement of truth fact. A system that punishes you for not. Yeah, or at least has a way of doing that. Yeah, you know? Something that I feel is really... Having played Eclipse Phase (laughs) and having also looked at... uh, What is it called? Call of Cthulhu, which is another horror game that has mental health damage. Uh, I feel like that is something that is lacking from World of Darkness. Like, you've sort of got the humanity system... But that's really meant to cover, like, when you do something bad. Not when you see something horrible. Yeah. Uh, and, like, that having a mechanic that allows for that uh, really would increase World of Darkness's uh, utility as a horror game. So you're saying that... It's I guess you might... There might be some, like, buried mechanic, but, like, it's yeah. never come up. You say, yeah, you, so you're saying that it's a horror-themed game without a horror-themed mechanic? Yes, that is a good way to work. Yeah, actually. So it requires... So that's another thing. It's basically... So a a criticism of World of Darkness that other people have said on other podcasts is... And I have said this too. It is a superhero game in... Well, a superpower game in a horror skin. Uh, To paraphrase Kim. Well, rather to repurpose Kim's quote from earlier. It... It has the potential to be horrifying... Certain, I think that the game that has the, like, besides base Water Darkness, the game that has the most potential Hunter. to actually be horrifying is Hunter. Because even though you are skilled at fighting monsters, you're nowhere near as powerful yeah. as the things you're hunting. You actually have to work together 
and like you can do a lot of stuff with that even if your players manage to survive a lot of stuff you can be like well now you've got to like deal with the fact that you've been hunting a monster for two weeks and your wife thinks that you've just disappeared on the road you said oh I'm going uh, on a hunting trip for a, a weekend and then you know you haven't been back in like three months yeah, but that stuff should be more roleplay rather than there being a specific, I think... Well, so it's not all down to mechanic. It's also down yeah. to, like, tone of the game and stuff. But yeah. mechanics inform tone. Uh, they help foster certain ideas. And... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think that there's... I think that... In, uh, like I said, I it's got the potential to be a great horror game. I think game. that it requires more diligence without a mechanic. Yeah. Diligence is something yeah. that role players should have that but not every role player does and even role players that do have it do not exercise it all of the time. I like sometimes might, you I, just want to have fun playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I myself <laughs> guilty. Everyone doesn't infor doesn't in doesn't uh enact their diligence all of the time. Uh so I just was checking that yeah. it was still going. Yeah, uh all of our we we don't as role players we aren't diligent all of the time and that is where the mechanics can actually really help us and the absence of a horror mechanic within World of Darkness is I think its greatest flaw Billy do is, you have any negative points yeah. you want to point out because you've you've run the most World of Darkness um, although you've not those, run as long a running campaign as I have but. that's true uh, for those listening if you haven't already picked out for all these podcasts I'm very much often sitting on the fence in things yeah um, I'm sure there must be something you don't like about it I do, there are things that they relate to certain templates. I would say on the whole, if you're really trying, it is probably slightly too easy to make a character that is ridiculous at things. Especially if you're playing with um, high experience points. Indeed. I would say actually that is... Although true. you're not meant to play with the yeah. kinds of experience that we normally play with. I will so say we've made, a lot of the games I've played in lately have been like characters where you've got 400 experience points because we're just so we got to a point where we were sick of playing low level characters yeah. and not being able to do shit so to get in the my, my one of my definite criticisms would be the game handles low levels really well yeah but there becomes an uh exponential uh increase of yeah. if you're satisfaction to higher actually levels. i think that that Sorry to break the uh, trend. The, 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 the trend. I think that now that you've mentioned that, because I didn't really sort of consider that before, I think that's a pro. It has an inbuilt. It has an inbuilt campaign length limiter. What do you because mean? Because your dissatisfaction becomes so high oh. towards the end of the game that you want it to end. I don't I encourage so, you. I find that a definite negative. So oh, that would I'm, be positive if yeah. it was intentional. It's not intentional. A story should Doesn't end mean it's not positive. when it reaches its climax, not because everyone's pissed off because they're not getting a challenge. Yeah, it is not a good thing that it does that, but it uh, is... I think that if you know about it, and we're telling you about it, then you can then you can plan for it, and if you're planning for it, it means that you really have to think about the definite length of your campaign, and I rarely think that that is a bad thing. Okay. Yeah, Billy makes a good point, though. At lower levels, it does have a lot more of that. Uh, you do actually have to yeah. be considerate yeah. of what you're doing. I mean, that is generally a negative, granted, but I think that there is a silver lining, there is a positive spin that can be put on this phenomenon. Yeah. I want to talk about... Supplements? No. I want to talk about lack of levels of success. Yes. Yeah. Actually. From your dice pool. Yeah. I 
second to the horror. So, so uh, second to the horror yeah. game without a horror, a horror mechanic. I think that that is the worst thing about this. That you have you either succeed or you fail or you critically succeed. Yeah. So Eclipse Phase has the margin of success rules, which we haven't used too much because we've also, only yeah, played like three games. Uh, yeah. In reference to my opinion of critical failures or success on Eclipse Phase, in World of Darkness, critical failures do not occur enough. They yeah. Like, never you happen. F- you you so, fail heaps. You critical almost never because you need in. So if I've got strength three and f- weaponry three, uh, and I'm trying to hit someone who has a defensive zero for whatever reason, I need to get like one success to do damage to them. That being said, success in World of Darkness, uh, it's a D10 system that's eight and above. Yeah, I did point that out earlier. Oh, sorry, eight and above. Um, Right, Critical failures only happen if you take so many penalties that you're reduced to let to zero yeah, dice. Right. Yeah. And when Which, you're and then you're on a chance die. Yeah. Where if you roll a one on a chance die, you critically fail. If you roll a two to nine, nine you, you fail. just fail, and a ten is a success. It should be way more chance of critically. Yeah. Also, um, into the critical success is when you roll five or more successes in a single in a single yeah. dice roll, and there is nothing between one yeah. and four. It is just like one is a success, four is the same amount of success. Yeah, I think there's possibly supposed to be, but as we said before, it's really not enforced. Enough. There's there's some situations where it changes. Like for instance, in combat, you're doing uh, that number of success directly yeah. ties to damage. Yeah. Yeah. But in general, but yeah. mar- margin of success is something that I think is a really good thing in a role-playing system. Yeah, because like when you, when you just it. managed to su- manage to succeed, like you did really badly, but you managed to succeed. That is really vital sometimes in storytelling. Like yeah. uh, if you're fighting a dangerous monster or something, and you just managed to succeed, that lets you know that this encounter might be a bit hard for you, and maybe you can pull back out of that uh, it, my point is that yeah I agree with Kim it could be a useful storytelling device that being said um, I think that this can be combated by the fact that Raymond mentioned penalties or bonuses yeah. to your dice pool that, th- that this can actually be combated by proactive DMing yeah. however well, a system that relies overly heavily which this one may on uh, proactive DMing is when it's good, it's I great. think it needs when tweaking. It's not, it yeah. can, it can th- This game can be really good, but it can yeah. also be really shit. It has a wide range of yeah. So the th- the thing that Kim just said then was uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yes. Um, fuck! I just forgot what I was gonna say. God damn it! You're gonna talk about the other thing. No, I'll talk about supplements, supplements. after I say this. Fuck! Uh, so supplements. <laughs> Yes, there's a lot of information for uh, players of World of Darkness to draw on. On the other hand, there are so many different books that it kind of falls into almost the Pathfinder thing of where the rule exists so you must use it, and if that is the case and you don't know it, it's like, if you're not a GM that can think on their feet well then that game then ruins you because you've got to go find the rule. The other thing is that the Eclipse Phase books are not 
very well. Not the Eclipse Phase books. God damn it. The World of Darkness books. Let it go, Raymond. He loves Eclipse Phase. The World of Darkness books don't seem to have been. They're not very well written and they can contradict each other yeah. in mechanics and fluff. It's like very frustrating. There's like three different ways to deal with poisons. poisons. Yeah, yeah. Um, the. The layouts are sometimes really hard to like work out what you're looking for. I find most of the fiction included in them terrible. Like I don't mind the setting material, but like in lots of role playing games, they have like little stories that are threaded throughout between to break up chapters. I hate the ones in World of Changeling ones are certainly the only ones that I would read for entertainment. I think the best written World of Darkness book that I have ever read uh, is the Mirrors book, which is all about um, alternate ways to run World of Darkness. Uh, and they, and I can only assume that this is because the writers of uh, Mirrors were lazy, actually referenced a lot of stuff that was brought up in other books. So it actually has like the best sourced resources so it's like oh this is a system that is mentioned in Requiem for Rome so we're just going to use that because then we don't have to invent a new archery mechanic for the fantasy setting for World of Darkness and it's like brilliant that is great bit of writing there also I have run a World of Darkness fantasy game it was not horror and it was quite you know well received uh, but yeah, I, don't, I, can't, I can't think of any other like major negatives. I can't remember the point I was going to make. Now, in summary, I think that World of Darkness is quite a good system. It has quite a lot of good mechanics, and that makes it very adaptable, as I have done previously in Arcanum Quest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as a horror game, I think that your DM needs to be really proactive, and that is a fault of the system. And I think that uh, you need to introduce your own margins of success and that you need to restrict the theme heavily yeah. in order to achieve your horror goals. Yeah, so theme is an important part of it. Yeah, I even think it works better as, say, a social political game than a horror game, and that's ten- generally what I prefer to do with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like, there's lots of... Like, I enjoyed playing World of Darkness... It's just there are other games that I would rather play, like that do the things that World of Darkness brings up better. Like uh, the game that World of Darkness is, which is a powered game with monsters. There is another game that does that well, which I believe is called like The Haunted or something. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, who do you think this game is good for? I think it's good for teenagers that are really into heavy metal music uh, and really dig The Crow. That's quite specific. Yeah. Um, it's a very niche field. It's Vaughn. I think that this uh, system is actually quite good. For, yeah, the mechanics are good. I, 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 th- I think that this that, that this system, that the New World of Darkness, is good for beginner players. I think yeah. that... Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that new people coming in, but not for beginner DMs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah, do no, it. No. no. By the way, there actually is a World of Darkness system superhero game. It's called Exalted. Okay, I've heard you mention that. Um, it's also, like anime superheroes. Uh, I think that it offers uh, that if you are into su- supernatural stuff, vampires, werewolves, aliens, soft aliens. Yeah, changelings are aliens. Yeah, yeah that's kind of what I'm going at. Um, it's, Out, it's for you. Outsiders. Whether you're yeah. new or yeah. experienced. Yeah. If you, want to, will, uh, if you want to experience, like, if you want to roleplay living as a monster, but, like, not necessarily as a horror game, 
It certainly has the potential to do that well. Yeah. Um, like if you, I would really love to play a World of Darkness game where it's just you're a group of monsters that are uh, trying to just make ends meet. Anyway. Yep. I know that I've ripped it off a little bit, but I would play it again. Billy, yep. what do you think it's for? You agree? I think it's for people who enjoy fantasy and want to have some fun and try some things. It's urban, urban fantasy yeah. with a horror chaser? Yep. Dark Urban oh, Fantasy. There we go, Dark Urban Fantasy game. with a horror yeah. chaser. The third system that we want to review is... Uh, Star Wars Edge of Empire. So Which I know nothing about. Just, yeah, so just, Kim's going to try and act as your voice. One will probably actually be a bit shorter than the others. Yeah, which will uh, hopefully make up because we've gone a bit over time. Because the primarily thing... I, I really love this system. I also love Star Wars. So, bias, couple of interest, you decide. But I really, I'm the really middle ground on that. Enjoy uh, its mechanics because it's yeah. got some slightly unusual mechanics. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a minute. So, Star Wars Edge of Empire is... Um, like the third or possibly fourth iteration attempt at making a good Star Wars role-playing game. And from what I have heard, it is the first success. Uh, okay. The previous ones were like D20. Uh, so it is set during, uh, I believe, Edge of Empire. You are normally playing on the edges of uh, the Outer Rim is yes. where it is normally set. Uh, within the Star Wars universe. It is set during uh, the time of the first uh, trilogy. Um, yeah, it's set just new... before the events of A New Hope. Yeah, so it starts at just before A New Hope and can pretty much go all the way through. Um, they also... Uh, and, but it mostly focuses on... Edge of Empire specifically focuses on uh, a criminal setting uh, of games. You're playing as smugglers, bounty hunters, mercenaries... Um, sometimes you can play as like explorers, explorers and stuff. Explorers, politicians, medics, yeah. it's colonists. And then they have like another game which is called Star Wars Edge of Rebellion. It uses the same mechanics where it's about the war of the rebellion. And I think you can actually play that either as the rebels or as the empire because you could really just shift the characters around. So the large focus on Edge of the Empires is essentially... I was just going to mention uh, Force and Destiny. As well. Yeah, when one's just come out. Well, I was just going to point out that Force and Destiny is your standard Jedi one. So the large focus on Edge of, uh, Edge of, em- Edge of the Empire is on your characters. Si- yeah. so and also cinematic storytelling. Indeed. Oh my fucking god, yes. Which is, I will talk about in cons. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You've got to have the gift. Um, so essentially, you've got your characters. Uh, one of the things I quite like is you have things called obligations. Uh, yeah. So, for instance, your obligations could be something like um, you're devoted to a cause. Like, you know, maybe you want to go out and. <sighs> Sorry, it's been a long week. My brain's going to fail. Bear with me, listeners. You uh, want to uh, free robots from slavery. Yeah. Or it might be uh, there's a bounty on you and you've got to avoid bounty hunters. And I thought you. that obligations and the, uh, and the negative ones had a different name. Or are they just called obligations? Possibly. Oh. Obligation would be debt rather than bounty. For instance, you might have bounty hunters coming oh, after okay. you until you pay off this debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, the game itself is very based on your actions have consequences. Yeah. Uh, and it's a lot of, you know, you try and deal with certain situations and you find that your character is thrust into another situation because of that. It's got... Oh, God, I really want to be awake when I talk about this. <laughs> You're kind of awake. It's got a complicated but elegant... I would describe it uh, mechanic uh, in that there are two ways. I'm not going to talk about it for very long. It's got uh, negative, it's got success and failure, and it's got like 
negative consequences and positive consequences. So you could fail, but uh, have a good thing happen as a side effect. So like one of the examples I've heard is you're trying to charm a junk dealer to get a better price. You fail, but it generates an advantage. So he realizes what you're trying to do, but he likes your moxie. Indeed. So he doesn't just throw you out of his store. Alternatively, another example is you're trying to sneak into a ship by pretending that you're a maintenance crew. You succeed on the roll on convincing the port authorities to let you in, but you generate disadvantages, and this can manifest as, say, the port authority decides to call up the ship's captain and let him know his ship has just had a maintenance crew to look after it. Um, port authority and maintenance crew, for those playing at home. You slurred your words. Yeah, it's, it's that's all right. Yeah. I wasn't going to interrupt you while you're talking. It's I just really, I really, really like the mechanic that allows yeah. good, fi- you know, good things to come from failures or unforeseen complications all to that come from success. Is discretion? No, no. It has a unique set of dice. Oh. Uh, so you have four different types of dice that you roll at the all at the same time. Oh, okay. So you've got your. Uh, six. You've got your success dice, your failure dice, your boost advantage, dice. your boost yeah. dice, Which and your other one, disadvantage dice. dice. Yeah. So your advantage dice and your disadvantage dice, and depending on what they roll up, uh, like you, they all have different numbers on them. So is the player interaction with the DM quite uh, two way, like a dialogue when you're actually deciding? Yeah, I could the, describe yeah. it as the, 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 the So it's just yeah. like you roll, say high. Yeah. On your disadvantage dice, and, uh, and by high I mean you succeed. Yeah. Oh well, okay, right. Uh, I think it's I think it's low. mostly on. Is it is it? Oh, you get so you get amounts of advantage. It's yeah. like points. Yeah. No, I was talking about disadvantage. So I wanted yeah. to get a really bad thing. I roll yeah, yeah, yeah. high on the disadvantage yep. die, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So determining the manifestation of that disadvantage is solely in the hands of... No. So, if it's Ooh. like, if it's combat and you've generated the disadvantage, the, the DM as the enemy of the player who yep. has generated the disadvantage to gets to spend those on a list of things. Oh. Uh, and uh, the same... What about a non-combat situation? Uh, in a non-combat situation, you can use that as a guide, but it's a little more flexible. Uh, yeah, those two examples that Billy and I gave were non-combat examples. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like saying... Non-combat situations, the game, the DM decides, but the game and the book talk about heavily encouraging uh, talking to your players. Yeah, like the players might make a suggestion. Yeah. Okay. And All right. I, so I, when I ran it... Is... Yeah. Prominent. Yeah, yeah. dialogue is important. It is. Process. It is. Oh yeah. Is this a, every role, like every skill role, yeah, has an yeah. advantage. Every four types. Every of single one. Yeah, right. So that is where the complexity. And the game also is like it strongly encourages the players talking to them for what they're doing, and the DM will award them uh, like uh, more advantage dice or more disadvantage dice depending. Because yeah. that's where the modifiers yeah. come in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so like they're, they're kind of like equipment modifiers. mods almost. Yeah, sometimes. Right. Okay. Sometimes you get yeah. boost dice from equipment mods, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So how are the obligations enforced? That's the question that I wanted to ask. I wanted to come back to that because that seems to be like the driving passion behind your the so- character. I, kind of they're like almost a, like story seats. A role-playing mechanic, is yeah. it? 
It's like, I would describe it's it. It's a story mechanic, sort of. Yeah, it's a it story as. mechanic, not a role playing mechanic. It's so not it like if like you like don't do the thing, you get penalties. It's just like if you don't do the thing, if you don't do stuff related to your motivations and goals later on in the campaign, bad shit is gonna if happen. If you have a debt to a crime law, that's your obligation, and you don't pay that off, the storyteller is most likely gonna send bounty hunters after you. Or if you don't keep in contact with like your the the guy that you work for, then he's gonna. You know, cut all your ties, and you're going to lose a whole bunch of uh, clout. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So things so that, that we like. <laughs> well, I think that this section yeah, works is. slightly differently yeah. because I'm just asking questions. Yeah, that's and true. You are responding in a positive or a negative fashion towards these kinds of things. Something as well. Yeah. Uh, it's got another uh, mechanic that I really like is that there are things called light side and dark side points. So I the story. Called destiny points. Hold on. Uh, so they're, they're called destiny points as a whole, but essentially okay. when you're running, the storyteller has a pool of dark side points, the players have a pool of light side points. These points can be spent, uh, for a number of effects, one of which, uh, is the players can spend a point to give themselves an extra, uh, dice, or give enemies less dice, or to change an aspect of the environment. So you might be like, you land, uh on this planet and you go in, uh, investigating this shipwreck uh, and suddenly the sun drops and it's fucking cold and you, you know, in danger of hypothermia freezing. Uh, the players can spend one, desk, one light-sided point to go, it's a good thing that we packed these, you know, special uh, cold weather gear uh, when we decided to go exploring and they have packed that cold weather so gear. So the it's kind points allow you to change Ret- the story to, to retro that it's not so it's not a retcon you can't retcon. change a thing that has already been stated yeah. so he, he he didn't make it so that it wasn't cold it was just like good thing we packed that cold weather gear because it's not it's it's a it's it's a, it's similar to another game has um preparedness roles where rather than having to try and remember try and plan out everything in advance you can make a roll, and if you succeed, it's determined that you've got this thing. It's the same sort of thing. You spend a point rather than spending, like, two hours at the beginning of your run planning for every fucking scenario. Because the goal of Edge of the Empire is to make a a fast-paced, smooth narrative experience. Right. It's really good because it... Sorry. I like it. It also gives players... I really wish there was a setting-removed version of the rules. It gives the players a degree of control over the story as well that you don't have in other systems, which can't be abused because of the... Yeah. Every time a player spends a light side point or the GM spends a dark side point, the opponent gets... One back. So, I'm a okay, storyteller. so why? So if the storyteller, the t- storytellers to spend a dark side point to make things worse for the uh, story players. players. So to oh, put okay, an so obstacle the, in yeah, their even, way. Uh, storytelling limiting mechanic. You yeah. can't just be like everything's real bad. I am wary of this. It's really cold. Good thing we packed those coats. Uh, I could, if I wanted to, spend a point and say, uh, you go back to your ship, you grab the coats, and some and the uh, enemy patrol spots you. Okay. The- book talks about two things to be wary of. You, the storyteller and the players should not be bouncing points off. They should be used in a dramatic moment and a point should not be counted by uh, the storyteller spending a point to counter the player's point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because otherwise it's, yeah. re- it removes the original Yeah, purpose. because... Yeah, yeah, so I wouldn't a, consider that example yeah. I gave a... Uh, Harking back to a yeah. couple of other podcasts that we've done for the Crusading Couch, 
this sounds like a system where one could fall into the trap of making the storyteller the enemy quite easily. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you were, if you weren't super aware of the way the system is meant to be used, does it's a. It's make, a does the book make it obvious? If yes. you read it yes. cover to cover, yes. And I, I have, even argue if you look in the section. And I have trouble reading books cover to cover, um, role playing books. I yep. even have trouble yeah. with it with Eclipse Face. It's. And for those listening, this explanation is not doing the game justice. If you're interested, fucking buy it. Don't listen to us. Let's <laughs> not. Tell people not to listen to us. We've tried to make a product. You're not. We are. Um, so, I really love the whole storytelling-driven aspect of this game. It is a story-driven game. However, the things I don't like about it, if you, are, if you are not super aware of the way this game is meant to be played, if you're not, like... If you haven't fully internalised that it is about um, a cinematic narrative experience... Uh, can you define that? So, other role-playing games might be about a simulationist uh, storytelling experience, or uh, break it down in layman terms, Ram. Well, so like, well, sim- I don't even know what a simulation yeah. okay. role-playing okay. experience. Okay, so a simulationist would be like uh, uh, realism. You are in the thing. You are trying to represent the thing as accurately as possible. Okay. That's not what this is about. Okay. So, Star Wars leans on plot contrivances and plot devices coming up and being useful uh, a little bit. Or you should be willing to lean on that stuff a little bit more. Like what Billy talked about. Good thing we packed those coats. Uh, Yeah, right. Those are also, I will make clear, a rarity. You do not have many of those points. Yeah. Yeah. They are generally only for dramatic moments. The thing that I had trouble with was working out how to use the the advantages and disadvantages in creative ways for the players. Um, As a storyteller? Yeah. Yeah, that is something that... And that's more what I was talking about with... Yeah, that's what I said as well, like... It's, you've got to have a bit of from my own experiences you've got to have a bit of experience with it uh, and in some cases you've got to be good at thinking in a particular way yeah it's a lot better if the yeah the whole players making suggestion things it's not like the players should make suggestions if they want it's like you really need the players to make suggestions otherwise you're just going to keep coming up with the same advantages to give the player um, right. it can get yeah I had trouble with that when I ran it um, one of the other things to be that, fair you also uh, you weren't too familiar with the system as well in that game. Yeah, that's true, but it, I still thought it was worth This is out. not a game, like... This game looks really complicated at first. Yeah, I when uh, I first looked at it before I... When I actually played it um, when, in a game Billy ran, I uh, didn't really know what the yeah, fuck I was doing. It's a real case of it looks scary, but it's not as bad as it looks, and once you pick it up, it's you can just run with it. But, uh, and that's for both storyteller and players. Uh, you can go into this game going, Jesus Christ, this, this looks hard, but once you're familiar with it... Okay, yeah. what else What else would we like? I really like combat tends to be quite... You can do a lot of damage to people, as well as there are a fair few ways to incapacitate. Combat tends to be short and sharp, which is something I actually really like. Um, something that I... I like... What the, co- what the game is trying to do uh, with combat, with the whole 
the way that generating advantages and disadvantages are meant to work. Um, but again, I've, I found trouble uh, working out. Although I did re- then like realize it's meant to be the players are spending Combat the points. also has an interesting initiative system where, so it's you, me, and Raymond okay. playing. Uh, we roll for initiative. Say you get like uh, you get the highest, I get the second highest. Raymond gets the third. Yeah. Uh, you- your initiative comes around. We decide which of us acts in that block. So you might, uh, your initiative comes around and like Raymond goes, oh, I need to do this thing. And then he does the thing in that. So it's almost like swapping yeah. kind of your point. Yeah, this is really instance. hard to describe. Wow. I, I get it. I just, yeah. There's a lot about this that doesn't follow normal conventions of role-playing mechanics. Okay. That is hard to follow. But as like a game in terms of like the scenarios and stuff and the setting and whatnot, it's the setting, the scenarios, the way the, the uh, stories you should be telling, that part of the game is really easy to follow and really standard. It's just the mechanics are like, what? How does that work? And okay. it sort of throws you for a loop. Okay, so how does the mechanic interact with the world thematically? Like, how Star Wars-y is Very. the game? So, now, what's, it, what's its adaptability like? Low? You could adapt so it to I, a yeah. sci-fi, but... Oh. So... Again, the thing so I t- like, the thing well, I taught us we can we can just take that rolling mechanic and that skill mechanic out, use base human template, and make characters for anything. Or is it really you are making what the game wants you to make, like character gen, like character? Yeah, ideas, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're getting at. So yeah. I would say you could adapt this for other types of games. I would yeah. not want to do it because it would take forever. Because like it's not like you can use this as generic bounty hunter. It's like or generic mercenary. A lot of that stuff is tied to things within the universe. Um, uh, more, well, like, it's tied to their idea of a bounty hunter. And which, you know, to be fair, is pretty generic. Well, anyway, my, more adaptability my point is, I don't think that you could... Yes, you could adapt it, but if you were doing it as, like, a home hobbyist... It would be really hard. Okay. Billy's really just sitting daunting. here going, why would you want to adapt it? Star Wars is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to run Star Wars because I hate that universe. That's so fucking is it, okay, so this isn't a question for you, Billy, yeah. because I yeah. I want to ask Raymond, is it worth adapting? As a home hobbyist? No, it would take okay. too much effort. Right. Fair enough. Things we don't like. Static because it's Star Wars. No, so it works really. I, I think that you're just ambivalent towards. Like, not ambivalent, there are things about Star Wars that make me go, why do people like this, and why do they sing its praises so much? Um, and uh, like for most like nerds and geeks, it's yeah. Anyway, I'm getting into why I don't like Star Wars, and that's not the question. So the setting works well with the mechanic, and I like that, but. It has a barrier to entry similar to Eclipse Days in that it looks daunting uh, and character gen can be hard, although we were all using a character generation app which works really well uh, and gets around copyright uh, really uh, well in that it like has all the things listed but like the special powers, the traits and stuff, it doesn't have the text for what they do. It just has their names and then says refer to this page in the book. So that's good. yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of like things that I don't like about it. It's really barrier to entry. Um, okay. Probably consistently, uh, it's not a thing I don't like. It's a thing I do like. Okay, things I don't like. It's um, got to be something. Just full of love. Till I am. 
Yeah, you've been having trouble coming up it's, with it's, I'll walk away from this and I'll think of so many things. Yeah. Well, I can't really comment. I mean... Yeah, indeed. Yeah. It... I'll give you my two cents. It sounds like a system that uh, I'd want to play. Um, and it sounds like something that I think that I could actually have a lot of fun with. I like the idea of the edge of the empire bit. Yeah. Less... Rebellion and definitely yeah. not straight Jedi. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that that's the kind of thing I'd want to do. I like the idea of playing as a bloody crime lord that's working for the hut. I really, I really like want to play know. as a hut. Yeah, I really want to play as a that, hut. I would have sounds, so much fun. That sounds heaps. That, that, that sounds Billy. This is run us hut game. <laughs> we will potentially revisit this because it's a game I am very passionate about, and I am frustrated by the injustice yeah. I've done in this scrubbing. Sometime in the future, we might do um, longer, in-depth reviews, but we wanted to really try this out. Um, yeah. So who do, who, do we, give us your who do we think this game is for? Fans of Star Wars, I cannot think of a reason why you wouldn't like yeah, this game. Or people who really like story-driven games. Yeah. Um, yep. So as a per- I was thinking from your as a person that doesn't like Star Wars, I still enjoyed the game and was still excited to play. Mostly because I'm like, oh, trying a new mechanic, but I also found ways to have fun. So I really enjoyed playing as a, a, a psychotic robot that used intimidation guerrilla warfare style tactics. Uh, it was brilliant. Uh, and, you know, I'd really love I'd re- really love to play, you know, a fucking force-sensitive hut or a hut with no combat ability who all they can do is talk and spend yeah. money. So it's for Star Wars fans. It's uh, for people who love storytelling. Is it for new players? Only if the GM is experienced. Is it for new GMs? No. I disagree. Yeah, agree I, I agree. Agree, not for agree, new agree on both of those fronts. Yeah, it is yeah. good for new players as long as the GM knows what they're doing. Extension question for the new players. Yeah. Is it possibly detrimental to the rest of their role playing because the system is so different? No. No. Okay. Um, Bam. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, okay. It just. I think you can work around that. So it's in, got a lot of the staples. So, in summary, we. As a collective, really like the three systems that we've talked about today. We all like Eclipse Phase. I certainly like. I certainly am mediocre about World of Darkness. I think. I think that there is a general consensus that <laughs> that, that, that Eclipse Phase is a really great system, definitely from my perspective, from Raymond's perspective, and slightly from Billy's perspective. Yeah. World of Darkness has its place, and if you utilize its place properly, then you are going to have a really fun game. But it is really is- easy to drift outside of that place. You can pretty much swap me and Raymond's opinions on Eclipse. I was going to say the exact same thing. Then, you don't like. You're not in keen on the setting, and, and then I'm not keen on with the Star Wars, I think that if you're a Star Wars fan, you should really go ahead and play that game. I'm actually keen to play a game. You have heard me convinced in 22 minutes <laughs> that I want to play a Star Wars Edge of the Empire game as a as a hut. That's, yep, let's do it. So this, good. This, uh, I, want a, I want a one shot or a little three to six yeah. campaign, like run campaign sometime in the future from Billy DMing, because I've never actually had Billy as a DM before, and I think that would be a lot of fun. Anything else to add? Uh, I can't think of anything. Yeah, if you uh, if you that. if you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our other Crusading Couch episodes. You can find them on our yeah. WordPress, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud. Uh, you can also find our actual plays uh, on those same uh, websites. And if you want to, you can email us at insertquesthere at gmail.com with hard brackets. Yep. Uh, we mentioned that we were going to do, uh, that we were thinking about doing other reviews sometime in the future. Billy did say this. I'd like to get it out there. If you 
as a listener, have a system that you think you'd really enjoy, tell us. Or, and then we might play it, and if we have played it, we can tell you about it. Or if there's a system you think we should play that we'd enjoy, make the suggestion. Or alternatively as well, if you think you've, there's a certain questions you'd like us to be asking about systems we're reviewing, feel yeah. free to let us know. I think we really should this have done... This is really a test run. I think we really so. should have done this longer, because we, we went over. But yeah, I, I liked it. We'll do it in the future. Um, I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. I'm Will. And you've been listening to... The, the Crusading, Crusading Couch! Couch. All right.